The real sting of it lay in the fact that continually, even in the moment of the acutest spleen, I was inwardly conscious with shame that I was not only not a spiteful, but not even an embittered man, that I was simply scaring sparrows at random and amusing myself by it. I might foam at the mouth, but bring me a doll to play with, give me a cup of tea with sugar in it, and maybe I should be appeased. I might even be genuinely touched, though probably I should grind my teeth at myself afterwards, and lie awake at night with shame for months after. That was my way. I was lying when I said just now that I was a spiteful official. I was lying from spite. I was simply amusing myself with the petitioners and with the officer, and in reality I never could become spiteful. I was conscious every moment in myself of many, very many elements absolutely opposite to that. I felt them positively swarming in me, these opposite elements. I knew that they had been swarming in me all my life, and craving some outlet from me. But I would not let them, would not let them, purposely would not let them come out. They tormented me till I was ashamed. They drove me to convulsions, and sickened me at last. How they sickened me! Now, are not you fancying, gentlemen, that I am expressing remorse for something now? That I am asking your forgiveness for something? I am sure you are fancying that. However, I assure you, I do not care if you are. It was not only that I could not become spiteful, I did not know how to become anything, neither spiteful nor kind, neither a rascal nor an honest man, neither a hero nor an insect. Now I am living out my life in my corner, taunting myself with the spiteful and useless consolation that an intelligent man cannot become anything seriously, and it is only the fool who becomes anything. Yes, a man in the nineteenth century must and morally ought to be preeminently a characterless creature. A man of character, an active man, is preeminently a limited creature. That is my conviction of forty years. I am forty years old now, and you know forty years is a whole lifetime. You know it is extreme old age. To live longer than forty years is bad manners, is vulgar, immoral. Who does live beyond forty? Answer that sincerely and honestly. I will tell you who do, fools and worthless fellows. I tell all old men that to their face, all these venerable old men, all these silver-haired and reverend seniors. I tell the whole world that to its face, and I have a right to say so, for I shall go on living to sixty myself, to seventy, to eighty. Stay, let me take breath. You imagine, no doubt, gentlemen, that I want to amuse you. You are mistaken in that, too. I am by no means such a mirthful person as you imagine, or as you may imagine. However, irritated by all this babble, and I feel that you are irritated, you think fit to ask me who I am. Then my answer is, I am a collegiate assessor.
I was in the service that I might have something to eat, and solely for that reason. And when last year a distant relation left me six thousand roubles in his will, I immediately retired from the service and settled down in my corner. I used to live in this corner before, but now I have settled down in it. My room is a wretched, horrid one in the outskirts of the town. My servant is an old countrywoman, ill-natured from stupidity, and moreover there is always a nasty smell about her. I am told that the Petersburg climate is bad for me, and that with my small means it is very expensive to live in Petersburg. I know all that better than all these sage and experienced counsellors and monitors. But I am remaining in Petersburg. I am not going away from Petersburg. I am not going away because... Ah, uh, why, it is...